Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come to us today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Alright, so we started talking about overcoming the devil. How many of you loved last Sunday message? You were blessed by it. But I was thinking about last Sunday message and I was trying to see... I know I started on a note that was a bit... Uh, maybe a bit hard. And um, I want to go back and re-enforce re, re the truth of last Sunday. And the truth of last Sunday was the fact that John 10.10 was not talking about the devil. It was already talking about the influence of false teachers. So I want to reinforce it because I critiqued the message again myself theologically and I found that some people might have a bit of challenge with it. So I want to go back to it and I want to reinforce that before we progress. And the reason is because I discovered in my study that the fact that John 10.10 10 was described as the devil came into church history in 1800s. So prior to that time, uh, theologians like John Calvin never interpreted it that way. Church people never interpreted it that way because they understood the context. But from the 1800s, uh, they began to interpret it by some commentaries as the devil. And then a lot of pastors and preachers uh, including a lot that I respect, who still teaches that way till tomorrow, picked it up as an oral tradition, not as uh, uh, something that they studied. So if, I, if most of you sit here, if I tell, if you go to John, if I say John 10, 10, the first thing that comes to your mind is the devil, because that's actually what you heard. Okay. Good morning. Are we still in church? Okay. Because that's what you heard. So the first thing we have to look at, because, and, and I, let me go to the end of the message and come back. When I'm talking about overcoming the devil, the only way you can overcome the devil is if you increase in knowledge. And the only way the devil can get you is wrong knowledge. And you remember, I'm not talking to sinners, I'm talking to children of God. So remember the context of this message. And remember the context with which Jesus was speaking. Who was Jesus talking to? His followers, thank you. You are my church member. Okay. Because I'm going to teach you something again. Let me put this one by the side, but think about it. Who did Jesus preach you must be born again to? Nicodemus. Who was Nicodemus? A ruler. Okay. So you must understand who the context of Jesus was. So the, the whole concept of John 10, 10 being the devil started in the 1800s. Now, how do you get the proper interpretation of scripture? Take out the chapter and the verses. Read it as a scroll. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to read two chapters. So let's go to John chapter 9. Let's start from John chapter 9. You know, someone listened to the message and was sent me feedback like, how does this connect to how we can overcome the devil? 
<laughs> you know, it doesn't look like it, right? Like overcoming the devil, number one, be prayerful. No, if you're prayerful and you're ignorant, the prayer will not mean much. So, one of the strategies of winning a war is, first of all, to be able to identify and understand your enemy. If we can identify and understand our enemy, what will happen? We'll be able to deal with the enemy well. Am I right? So, so now we're actually targeting John chapter 10. But the way to get it is to start reading from John, from John chapter 9, because the Bible was not written in chapter and in verses. People put chapter and verses to just, for instance, if the whole book of John was a scroll, now I want to teach you this morning, I just say go to John. And I start reading from like chapter 9. You will not, you might take the whole day to find it. So chapter and verses were actually put in to help us to be able to track. Alright? So we can actually read it without it. So let's read from John chapter 9. It's a long reading, but we'll read it. I'm sure this overcoming the devil is going to get to part 9. But let's read. (laughs) As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. So observe. A man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he will be born blind? Looking for generational curses. Number three, Jesus answered, it was neither this man sinned, nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must walk the works of him who sent me as long as it is day, night is coming when no man can walk. Now, if you look at the punctuation there, I, I don't want to go there because it will take us right. If you, look, if, you read, if you don't read this carefully, you would feel that he was saying that because God wanted to display his work, that was why the man was born blind. But that's also wrong because there's an issue with the punctuation right there. But if you read it through, you will now see that verse 4 was where Jesus was going to, that because... He wants to walk the work of God who sent him. He was going to open the eyes of the blind man. Because the time is coming when he will not do that work. So the blindness was not because of man's sin. Or it wasn't because God wanted to show his glory. That's why the man became blind. Because that's not consistent with the scriptures. What it means is that God can put sickness on you because he wants to show his glory. It is not consistent with the character and the nature of God in scriptures. Is that okay? I'll take time to explain that. That's for another subject. Verse 5. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. When he has said this, he spat on the ground, made clear of the spittle, and applied the clay to his eyes. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sin. So he went away and washed and came back seeing Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is not this one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, but he is like him. <laughs> he kept saying, I am the one. Everybody was saying something. He is the one. He's not the one. He looks like the one. I am the one. Verse 10. So they were saying to him, How then were your eyes opened? Verse 11. He answered, The man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and I received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. Isn't it amazing how Jesus performed miracles and walked out so people would not identify that he was the one that performed miracles? Do you know right now that people even teach that if you do not testify of what God has done for you, you would lose it? 
That's not true. Testimony is good, but you will not lose it. Because the reason they teach that is because they want you to come back to say you got the miracle here. Because if it's the gift of God, if God gave it to you in your state of ingratitude, He will not take it back when you're not grateful. Okay. Example. The ten lepers. One came back and says, you're made whole. Did Jesus say the remaining nine, as you people did not come back, you will become leprous. Did Jesus say that? How do we believe these things? Let me even leave that. Read on. Verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees, understand now, the story is changing, the man is healed. They brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly blind. Verse 14. Now it was a Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clear and opened his eyes. It was a Sabbath day. By the way, on, Sun, on Wednesday, I'm starting a new series on understanding the Sabbath of God. So I want to teach on what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is neither a Saturday nor a Sunday. It talks of the rest of God, which is the finished work of Christ. So we're going to spend three days uh, three Wednesdays to explore that. So whether you go to church on Saturday or a Sunday, does not bother God. Sunday is not Sabbath. Saturday is not Sabbath. Because they go to church on Friday in Dubai and God has not killed them. A theology that is not consistent universally cannot be the truth. So we'll deal with that. Okay. Therefore some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Now, realize this. Who are they saying is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath? Jesus. Please, you need to follow the reading. Follow. If you have your Bible, look at your Bible. Don't look at the slide. Look at your Bible. Alright? Except you don't have a Bible. Now, he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was division among them. Now, so they said to the blind man again, who do you, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. Now understand where the contention is coming from. This man was healed, but he was healed on the Sabbath. And that was a problem. Now, read. The Jews then did not believe it, believe it of him. And that he had been blind and received sight. Until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight. And questioned them saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. Parents are wise. Look at verse 22. The parents lied. Why did they lie? Look at verse 22. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. Now, even before we get to John 10, 10, can you see what Jesus is saying? Here is a man who can receive sight, but because of religion, he rather stays blind. Stealing, killing, destroying. The man rather be blind than he gets his sight. So the parents actually lied because they were afraid of the Jews, because the Jews would throw them out if they recognized that Jesus is the Messiah. So that was what Jesus was contending with in John 10.10. 10. This was the backdrop of what Jesus was communicating. So Jesus couldn't have been talking about, Jesus couldn't have been talking about the Jews, healing, miracles, and then just verse 10, he now switches on to Satan. 
Even though they are influenced by the power of the enemy, but he was actually referring to the leaders of the synagogue who put religious activities to kill, to steal, to destroy that which God has freely provided for his people. That's why in 2020, someone will stand on the pulpit and still ask you to bring money to redeem your firstborn. And you cannot receive the freedom that Christ has brought, even though Christ told us through Peter that you were not redeemed with gold and silver or perishable goods, but by the precious blood of Jesus. Yet a pastor will tell you that if you give money, you can redeem yourself. I don't blame them. We don't read the Bible. Praise God. Look at this. Let's go on. <laughs> Verse 22. His parents said this because they were afraid. So fear. 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 You find fear right there, right? Now, what's the source of fear? Not God. The spirit of fear is not from God. Alright. We're afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. It's amazing how people will get themselves stuck in wrong churches even though they know what is taught is not true. Fear. That's, it. That's what keeps people in bondage. Some people are in churches that they will never learn the truth of God's word, but they cannot leave because their father bought the chair. That's it right here. That's it. They didn't want to lose their membership. That's why they lied about their son's healing. Religion is bad. Your son has been blind from childbirth. Now somebody heals him. You are scared of such membership and you lie. I don't know who healed him. You even rather the child is blind. And I know they are not teaching the truth in this church. But if everybody leaves, what, what will happen? You will choose the right schools for your children, choose the right hospital for your health, and choose the wrong church for your spiritual life. Isn't it amazing? And the third lies. A believer in 2020 will get up that he's praying at 12 o'clock, midnight. He's fighting battle. At 12. I pray at night. Don't think I don't pray. But not because I want to fight battle. Prayer is a lifestyle of the believer. If the devil is the one dictating your timetable of prayer, you have changed lords. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This year, I've decided to just teach whatever God puts in my heart. Because, I mean, people, I'm, and I'm telling you. So, because someone is saying, so what do you now believe? <laughs> I believe what the Bible says. <laughs> Praise God. For this reason, his parents said he's of age, ask him. So they wanted to put the problem on the boy. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Who are they referring to a sinner? Jesus. Can you see their contention here? Their contention was not even about the miracle. It was that they did not want to acknowledge Jesus. They called the man again said, be, be thanking God. That man is a sinner. Okay. Awesome. So let's read. <laughs> I like this man. He then answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. It, you know, you can't argue with a miracle. The man said, I don't understand your theology. Whether the man is a sinner, whether he's not a sinner, what is important to me is that I was blind before. Now I see. You guys can sort out your theological differences. I like the man. 
<laughs> so they searched with him. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples too, do you? So, listen, we can laugh about the response of this man, but we see where the contention is right now. That if they agree to the lordship of Jesus, then they will become his disciples. That was what the Pharisees were fighting. In his answer, we see what the issue was. Because now, Jesus is a new rabbi in town. And this rabbi says, he is the Messiah. And now, if you listen to any rabbi, you became the disciple of that rabbi. And here were the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. They'll never agree to that. So you see where the contention is? And that's why people will hear truth and still say, I know, but... There's something I need to teach about the tithe. Let me just say it. You know, Abraham did not tithe for victory. He tithed from victory. It wasn't because Abraham tithed that God blessed him. God blessed Abraham. He now tithed from the blessing that God gave to him. You don't tithe so God will bless you. Because there's a rain that falls on the just and the unjust. You tithe out of gratitude. Lord, thank you for the increase of this month. This is my 10%. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not that you hold your 10% and say, God, I paid the dues for the month. Do your work. No. I, 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 come on, are you, are you here? So we're going to study how Abraham tithed. You go on now. So you now realize that if you understand that that's the platform of tithing, you now realize that non-tithing is a sign of ingratitude. Are you following what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's see here. He answered, I told you already, and you're not listening. Why, why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples, do you? They reviled him and said, you are his disciple. But we are disciples of Moses. We are disciples of Moses. Who is Moses? The Lord. But the Lord is a shadow. They did not want to move into something new. And I want to say this. If you are a student of church history, you discover that what actually fights churches is other churches. That's the truth. You know there were times that they would throw you out if you spoke in tongues. They'll throw you out. It wasn't unbelievers throwing you out. It was churches who felt that speaking in tongues was of the devil. I, I don't know if you, if, you, if you get what I'm saying. That's what's going on right here. Because they could not move into something that God was doing new. Well, let's go on. The revival man said, you are a disciple, well, Moses' disciples. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he is from. Who are they referring to as this man? Jesus. The man answered and said to them, Well, here is an amazing thing that you do not know where, here. Well, here is an amazing thing that you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. I like this man. That's why he said he's not your disciple. I'm not sure he will ever go back to the synagogue again. Let's read. We know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is God fearing and does his will, he hears him. 
See, the man is now beginning to teach them. <laughs> He's beginning to lecture them now. And he was just using plain logic. You say the man is a sinner, but God is hearing his prayer. If you say the man is a sinner, why is God hearing his prayer? Because one thing that religion does to you is that it does not make you think. That is why a man will buy pure water, five naira. He will lay hands on it and sell it for you, 40,000. The, the difference between 5 naira and 40,000, your brain will not process it. What you just want is you want miracle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And what you now find out is that if the water is much and people are demanding it a lot, you will not even have time to pray for the other water. You just say, bring from the shop, bring from the shop. You will just be buying. You would have forgotten that ah, he didn't lay hands on this one. Or he changes the label from Ragolis and puts Papa whatever, Papa Gideon. And they start selling. I do, do you understand what I'm saying? You, sometimes you need, to, you need to sometimes sit and think. And that's why Christianity is laughed at. Because we almost do things illogically. Now, not everything in, in Christianity will make sense in, that, in, 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 the, in the sense of the world. But at the same time, it is not a religion of fools. We serve a wise God. Paul we go to Athens and, and logically dispute the fact. That they had an altar to an unknown God. He didn't just shout, you will go to hell, you will go to hell. You will go. No, he didn't do that. You would hear this word, reasoning, persuading, arguing, reasoning, persuading in the book of Acts. That's how they were able to convince them about Christianity. King Agrippa said, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. Christianity is logical. We have explanations for these things. And that's, that's the... Challenge of the charismatic church. We moved from orthodoxy, explanation of scriptures, expository scriptures, and then we went to the extreme end, where everything is, the Lord just told me, the Lord just told me, the Lord just told me. And you see, go to a charismatic church today, and they will open John chapter 9, and they will, you know, they won't do all these things we're doing. What he just says, God is going to open your eyes. Anywhere you have been blind, any Pharisee that says you will not see, you will see. How do you, how do you live on that? How do you live on that? And I'll tell you the truth, right? Sometimes people feel if you don't emphasize all those things, miracles don't happen. <laughs> the miracles that happen in this church will literally blow, blow your mind. Will literally blow your mind. I mean, I told, I told my wife, one of these Sundays, we're just going to have a testimony Sunday. Let people share. I mean, we just got a, a testimony of... A brother, a, a sister who has been having this harassment from this lecturer and there was an attempted kidnap on her life and miraculously God just set her free. God set her free from the man's hand, replaced the man, put another person. And, I mean, just an amazing testimony that looked like something that was acted. So the fact that we're not holding mic in people's hands every Sunday does not mean that we don't have miracles. If you focus on Christ, those miracles would not mean anything in the sense of let me give you an example in the New Testament. Paul was preaching. And uh, this young man was listening. Paul was preaching all night. That's the kind of all night I like. He's preaching all night, teaching the word of God. This man fell dead. What happened? Paul went down, raised him from the dead. They didn't even allow him to share what he saw when he went to heaven. They didn't allow him to talk. You know what happened? Paul came back and continued teaching. That means that raising from the dead was actually an interruption to the teaching ministry. They prioritized the word. They didn't say, oh yeah, tell us how you were dead. How were you raised? What did you see? 
And some of you live your life based on what some dead person saw. When even Jesus told the rich man, when he said, send some people from the dead to speak to my brothers, Jesus said, you have the prophets and the law with you. If they will not listen to them, they will not listen to a man raised from the dead. Any man that dies and goes to heaven, I don't believe his testimony. Because you go to the heaven you have been taught. Streets of gold. Gold is a material substance. So, if there's no how you die, you will not go to streets of gold. Because that's how you have been taught all your life. That's what you understand about heaven. If I come and start teaching you that heaven is full of water, full of water, when you die, that's where you will go. Are you understand what I'm saying? Went to hell, went to heaven. This word is enough. Can we just stick to it? All false religions were founded on the fact that the people heard God. Ask the founder of Jehovah's Witness, the founder of Mormon, the founder of Ekakar. They will tell you they all heard God. So the written word, rightly dividing the written word, is the key to staying safe. And the reason is because in overcoming the devil, knowing the word is key. That's why we have a lot of prayer movements and things don't get changed. Are you still here? Are you getting blessed? Praise God. Let's go. This is going to be a good year. I'll tell you. <laughs> Look at this. Verse 33. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. The man was teaching them. Then they answered him, you were born entirely in sins and you are teaching us. So they put him out. Praise God. Okay, I know when I mention streets of gold in heaven, some people are already getting like, so what is he saying? So let me give you a scripture. Go and think. Jesus sitting before Nicodemus said, no man has ascended to heaven except the son of man who is in heaven. Uses the word in heaven. But where was Jesus? On earth. Speaking to who? But Jesus said he was where? You are seated with Christ at the right hand of God. Where? Okay. Just study more. Study more. So read the word. 35. Jesus heard that they had put him out. So they, they, <laughs> they drove the guy out of church. Forgetting his healing. I, I you see why they drove him. The man didn't sin. He didn't kill anybody. He didn't steal. The guy received his healing. They drove him out of church. So Jesus heard that they had put him out. And finding him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, who is he? Lord, that I may believe in him. After all, I don't have church again. Whatever, I just believe. Jesus said to him, you have both seen him. And he is the one who is talking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world. So that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. Realize this now. Realize this now. Realize this now. Jesus, hearing that the man was put out, went to the man and offered him salvation. Do you realize that this man accessed salvation quicker than the Pharisees? Then again, Jesus now started speaking in parables. Alright. Then he goes on to say, Man, I like this. I like this. Oof. Those of the Pharisees who were with him 
Context. Context. Who was there? Talking to the Pharisees. Heard these things and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? <laughs> these Pharisees, they like trouble. Jesus was just talking to this man. They heard him. Okay. And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. Now, the question is, what sin is that? That wasn't a sin of fornication or stealing. It was a sin of unbelief. Not believing in Jesus. It's like some of us seated here, I told you. We don't... We are not fighting against a powerful devil. We are fighting a deceptive devil. That's how the devil deceives us that we are powerless. Deceives us that witches are after our life. Deceives us something. And by the time you get into that deception, you get into the spirit of fear. One of the things you realize in your life is that if you are a place where you are constantly taught the word of God, your fear of life will be reducing gradually. Your fear will just be reducing gradually. Are you following what I'm saying? Come and talk to me now. I said, are you following what I'm saying? (laughs) Look at this. Verse 40. Okay, 41. If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sins remain. Truly, truly. Can you see now? We have entered John chapter 10 now. But can you see that it's a continued conversation? So, truly, truly is what now? He was talking about very, very in King James. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. So, can you see how the conversation started? It's very important. And Jesus was just talking. So, let's forget about chapter 9, chapter 10. Jesus was, it's the same conversation. That's very important. Then he goes on to say, but he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger, they will simply not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. Okay, now, all who came, oh sorry, verse 7, verse 6. This figure, figure, figure of speech. Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Okay, so Jesus said to them again, truly, truly I say to you, I am the dog of the sheep. Verse 8, all who came before me are thieves. And robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I was referring to the Pharisees. And the scribes. When Jesus entered into the temple. What was happening? They were selling. And Jesus had to throw away the money changers. What's the biggest thing about church today? Money. It's the God we all serve. Our message is money oriented. How do we rate the biggest church on the town? Biggest cathedral. Everything is money denominated. It's called mammon. I 
I remember the first time a couple of folks bought a car for me. A car we're using now. Like four years ago, they're about. One of, someone's a pastor saw it. She said, man of God, you are broken through. Ah, you are broken through, you are broken through. A car. I've broken through because I'm driving a car. You, you, you see why sometimes it's difficult to convince wealthy people to come to church? Because everything we promise in church, they already have. So the question is, what else? What else? I mean, you know I believe in prosperity. <laughs> if I don't believe in prosperity, we'll be under a shade by now. We're not a poor church by any standard. But the truth of the matter is that since it has not been our emphasis, are we poorer for it? We're not poorer for it. Are you following what I'm saying? Look at this. I am the door. If any man enters through me, what is through him now? Through the new covenant, through the cross, he will be saved. And we go in and out and find pasture. If any man comes through me, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So what was the context of the thief he was talking about here? He was talking about the rulers of the law who were, who were bent on stealing the healing from this man. And guess who was using them? The devil. So sometimes to overcome the devil, you have to overcome wrong doctrines. Taught to you by people like, I want to say people like me, but not me. Pastors, my, my colleagues. You find a man who is born again, has accepted Christ. You spend months teaching him on generational curses. Then the question is, why are you now born again? If you get born again and generational curses after, as he after you, then there's no need for your salvation. Someone say, well, you have a wicked spirit has not tried you. If a wicked spirit tries you. So you ask yourself that, why is the wicked spirit not trying me? Because they can't. The devil goes about seeking whom to devour. That means not everybody is devourable. So why are you devourable? You listen to Pharisees, scribes, and teachers of the law. So you know, 90% of our prophecy is that somebody is after you. Have you observed it? Is your uncle, is your mother, is your wife. And you know what? We pray that all the time. So we create a culture of it. We're here one, one service. We had a guest. And uh, one man... <laughs> well, let me just say it. I've started saying it already. <laughs> so one guy came after the service, met me. That was the last time he came to service, though. It's like, Hasa, as we're praying, something just told me that uh, this man, when he's going back, ah, that Mami Water has prepared. So I said, Mami Water does not catch any LNG boats. <laughs> Do you understand? Just the fact that they did booking for you, you are free from mommy water. So, if, if you, do, 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 can, can you understand what I'm saying? Do, do. Don't say I've said there are no evil spirits. So don't go and say that. I'm saying it now. There are evil spirits. But I'm not teaching you evil spirits. I'm teaching you what the word of God says. Do you realize that when you are traveling on the local boat, you pray? How many of you pray? You know, I traveled... No. You know, I used to travel on local boats. I stopped... 
I can't remember when I stopped, but I stopped. That day, I went to Kenya. I was coming back. And my family were, were squatting then with, with tire in the area. Tunji was around. And I went to the jetty and there was no boat. There was yeah, all those issues. I went to the local, but what is it? What is energy people? What is it? Sat down. You know, sometimes pride and anger can make you die before your time. <laughs> and when, when you now meet God, you say, why did you die? He said, you're like, why can't you wait? You know, you know what I'm saying? You just go that sometimes if, if you just waited a bit. You understand? Some people are in a hurry. You see the weather is not good. You are paid. And we're, 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 we're coming. We got to that Peter side. Man, the waves were heavy. Waves were heavy. The man said some of us should move to the front. Some people moved to the front. <laughs> The one woman has started singing. You know songs you know that are close to funeral. The woman just throw her hands like this. It's an evil lady. She's sister. <laughs> she just throw her hands. I started singing. And you know those songs like unrehearsed lyrics just flowing. Flowing like the, the woman is just like, this is it. <laughs> and then, well, I don't know, the engine went off. So you see the way he shouted. Imagine those of us in the boat. <laughs> so the man was just like, so he started calling some mother boats far off. Some people were pleading blood of Jesus. Some were calling on the God of this, the God of that. The God. And I've learned something. It's tough. But when situation happens like that, keep quiet. The words that will come out of your mouth are words of unbelief and fear. Just keep quiet. It's tough. But restrain yourself and listen for the wisdom of God. So I asked the man, I said, what can we do to live here now? He said, if this engine starts, we can leave. I said, start it in Jesus' name. Started it. The thing peaked. And bam, 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 bam. We finally made it. When I got down, to show you how traumatic it is, Tunji has come to pick me. When I got down, I didn't answer Tunji. They answered. People were asking me, are you a pastor? Where is your church? I didn't answer anybody. I actually thought I was dead. <laughs> no, true story. So Tunji carried me, took me to the area. I just went to bed and I slept. Then I got up, went to the shower. and I. So when I could see myself in the mirror, I could preach to myself, I know that I made it. That was the last time. If you invite me anywhere, I don't get the boat, forget it. What am I trying to say? You know, those situations can be prevented if you just get on this other boat. But God forbid, if I had died on that boat stuff, who is going to get blamed? Who is going to get blamed? The devil. The man is a fine preacher. The devil does not just want him to succeed. Hey, the devil just took him like Jesus. But you realize that if I had just changed my decision, I would have overcome the devil. Am I saying that there are no... I hope you are trying to get what I'm saying. I'm just trying to tell you that the power we have given to the devil is too much. Reduce it more so you can succeed. It's just too much. Evil things that are clearly our own fault were attributed to the devil. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? 
So how did I get to the story? It's mummy water. That there are levels of boats and people that mummy water people can affect. That when you change certain level, you just overcome mummy water without prayer, without getting born again. How many of you growing up, they told you about Ojuju Calabar? Is there an English word for Ojuju Calabar? <laughs> Calabar Ojuju. <laughs> you realize they were trusting you. What did you do? And then you just grew up and realized there was no. Do, do you understand? Then what did you do? You carried that tradition and started threatening your children. So your children grow up knowing Ojuju Calabar because you, you carry that generational consciousness and brought it to the next generation. But do you realize that if you had stopped? about it, they would never know something like that existed. Which means that there was really nothing like that. And you need to listen to this message correctly because I don't want you going out here saying that I, I said there's no devil. I, I, that's not what I'm saying. So you need to listen correctly. So that's what Jesus said. How much time do I have? Oh, I still have time. This is good. Uh, okay. I want to show you this. Let me show you this. So, there's no natural break between John chapter 9 and John chapter 10. That's very important. Now, if we want to understand this, let's look at the context of which Jesus said this. If you look at, um, another way to understand it is to go back in the whole of scriptures, right? And search where the word thieves and robbers were used and what it was used for. So, let's go to Isaiah. Let's do a quick search. Isaiah 123. Isaiah 123. Man, this is good. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 23. Are you there? Are you there? Okay. Isaiah 1 23. You rulers are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bride and chases after rewards. They do not defend the offer, nor does the widow's plea come before them. Can you use the King James version? Let me see what he uses there. King James or the New King James. Let me see. So you, rea- you realize that yeah, your princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. So you realize that God always referred to the rulers of the people in Israel as thieves when they were disobedient. Because what? They were robbing the people of the opportunity to embrace God. Okay, you can, because of time, I want to move to something else. But write the scriptures down if you want to study other scriptures where thieves and robbers were used. Okay, write this scripture down. Jeremiah 2.26 Jeremiah 2.26 Jeremiah 7.11 Jeremiah 2.26 Jeremiah 7.11 Jeremiah 23 verse 30 All this scripture you will see um, um, the, 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 the princes and the rulers were referred to as thieves and robbers Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Go to um, uh, Hosea. Hosea chapter 4. Have you taken out down all those scriptures? Okay. Uh, let me see if there's another scripture. Okay. Uh, 
Alright, so I just, for those of you who are really interested in studying further, the first man to start interpreting John chapter 10 as 10, uh, John 10, 10 as Satan, is called Choflat of Oshrid. Choflat of Oshrid. And he did a Sunday school curriculum in 1800. He was the first person who started interpreting it like that, and then pastors and preachers picked it up and began to teach it. So go to Hosea chapter 4. Are you there? Say amen if you're there. Say amen if you're there. Okay, Hosea chapter 4. Say amen if you are going there. All right. Hosea chapter 4. Are you there now? I want us to read it because I'm still trying to establish this. It's important that truths are established in God's word. And like I said, don't take my word for it. Go study the scriptures. If you're any true, accept it. Look at this. Uh, I, okay, let's go to verse 1, Hosea chapter 4. You know the popular scripture, right? Where we're going to. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But I want you to go to see how that pours out. So let's go to verse 1. Listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel. For the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. Because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. Observe that. Knowledge of God in the land. Because Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, one of the primary responsibilities of the minister is to teach you. Is to equip you with knowledge. Praise God. Now, there is swearing, deception, murder, stealing, and adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns, and everyone who lives in it languishes. Along with the beasts of the field and the beds of the sky, and also the fish of the sea disappear. Verse 4, yet let no one find fault, and let none offer reproof. For your people are like those who contend with the priests. Observe, observe the conversation, observe the conversation. So you will stumble by day, and the prophet will also stumble with you by night, and I'll destroy your mother. Verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Pause there. Who is supposed to give this knowledge? The priest. Does this tally with what we read in John chapter 10, verse 10? Of the thief coming to steal, to kill, and to do what? To destroy. So the, the, the proof destruction is caused by the lack of knowledge. Now, two ways. Destruction is caused either by the lack of knowledge or the abundance of wrong knowledge. So two things you find is either the priests are not teaching you the right knowledge or they are giving you the abundance of wrong knowledge. So somebody will come. When you're eating the dream, you have eaten your destiny. I told you of a lady who came around. She came to the office. So I gave her water to drink. She thought I wanted to pray on the water. So <laughs> at the end, say, what a prayer. I say, no, no, no. When people finish eating, they drink water. I gave her a couple of messages to listen to. She listened to her and she was free. Somebody said, don't you believe in deliverance? I absolutely do. But one of the things I believe about deliverance, like Jesus, is that you preach deliverance to the captive. Preach, preach, preach deliverance to the captive. What does it mean to preach deliverance to the captive? Proclaim to them that Christ has paid the price. You don't need to be in bondage anymore. Proclaim deliverance to the captive. And when it's a stubborn spirit, cast it out with a word. Don't make the whole church go through drama over deliverance. Is that okay? Yes, 
So people are disrupted for lack knowledge. Because you rejected knowledge, I will also reject you for being my priest. So what was he referring to? He was referring to the priest. Go and listen to our study on Hosea and you'll find that. Okay, so where do we go from here now? Uh, there are two other areas where Satan is used a lot and it's brought a bit of confusion. So let me clarify that. I just like, Let me see where I can stop. Let me, there are two. There's one when he talks about the wiles of the devil. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11. Let's deal with that. It's shorter. If I have time, I'll go to the other one. So what are we doing? Basically, before we actually get into the series, we're trying to identify the enemy, right? Because right now, if we can identify him, then we can be able to defeat him. Listen, we already know that all power in heaven and earth belongs to God, so we can cast him out. But if, if we don't understand the tricks that the enemy uses, then he will overpower us. Are we together? Okay, so let's go to Ephesians 6. Please get our message on the whole armor of God. I've thought about that. I've even explained what principalities and powers mean. Because, <laughs> let me not even go there to push us to another angle. Go and find out how many times the word principality and powers is used in scripture and who it was used for. Ephesians 6, 11. Okay, Ephesians 6, 11, right. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil. The schemes. Observe that word, schemes. So, it wasn't referring to the devil there as somebody with power, but someone with deception. Who schemes? Is that okay? Alright. Let's see here now. Just thinking... The word there is in the King James is used as wiles, right? If you put up the King James, you'll, use the, you'll see the word wiles, right? Now, the idea here, God is saying, listen, the devil has schemes. Remember, I'm trying to just prove one point. There's no power with the devil. He has schemes. The word schemes there is nekel in the Greek. N-E-K-E-L. Nekel in the Greek. Sorry, nekel is Hebrew. Then methodia in Greek. Methodia is more like from the word methodology, methods. Right. Why nekel is the Hebrew word. Now, it's used only like two times in scriptures. So, for us to be able to understand what it's saying here, let's go to another place where it is used. If we, if we can see it in the context of how it is used in, in the book of Numbers, we can find out how it is used here in Ephesians. So, let's go to Numbers 25. Numbers 25, verse 18. Are you, are you, are you still here? Yes, Say amen if you're here. Alright, this is good. Numbers 25, verse 18. Numbers 25, verse 18. Alright. So, actually, he was talking about... It's a long, long reading, but we should have read everything. But he was talking about... Let's go to verse 18. Uh, let's start from verse 16. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Be hostile to the Midianites and strike them. For they have been hostile to you with their tricks. With their tricks. With which they have deceived you in the affair of power. That word tricks and deceive 
is the same word used, is the same Greek and Hebrew word used as skim. In fact, if you go to the King James Version, the word there is begal. Use, use the King James Version for me. New King James, or use King James, old King James, KJV. No. 25.18. Exactly. For, for the virtue with their wiles. So you, you observe this word wiles here, right? It's the same word used as wiles in Ephesians 6. Now how does the, wild, the wiles work? <laughs> Wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of poor. Now remember, we're going to go there but it's towards the end of the message. Remember, the word beguiled is the same word that Paul uses for Eve. That Satan beguiled Eve. That same word. Now, if you take that word beguiled, go back to the New American Standard Bible. Go back to the New American Standard Bible. So you find the word wiles and beguiled there. So wiles there is tricks if you replace the word. Can you guys underline there if you can underline? You, you can. But if you, if you look at the word wiles, it's replaced with what? Come on, talk to me, church. It's replaced with what? Tricks. So, what does it mean if we take this and put it back into Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11? It says, put on the whole armor of God that you are able to stand the tricks of the devil. So, the devil is trickly, trickery. If he was powerful, he would just kill you. But he doesn't have the power. So, what did he do to Eve? Simple. This is summary of my message. How does the devil become a Christian? He misinterprets scriptures to the Christian. So what did he do to Eve? Misinterpreted what God said to Eve. Bam! He killed him. That's it. Tricks with which they deceived you in the affair. That's it. A man has a good home. Good wife. His eyes will not stay in one place. He goes and sleeps with somebody outside. Starts committing adultery. Opens the door for the enemy to come in. And later he say, ah, it's the devil. There's no temptation. And it's very easy. I've told, I mean, I was explaining to someone today when we were coming to church. If you are here, you are a man. And you want to sleep with a girl. You are ready to sleep with a girl. You are ready. And you just see a credible doctor send you a text. That girl has an incurable disease that you can get through sex. What's going to happen to you? Everything standing will fall. You will run away. So, what made you to overcome that temptation? Come on now, guys, talk to me. What made you to overcome? Don't talk like I'm preaching to a teenage class. What made you to overcome that temptation? Information and fear. So, what made you to enter the temptation? Information also. If you can control your mind, you can defeat the devil. That's the basis of my message. I'll get there in like part six. That's what the devil does. So there is a Christian and the devil plus pastors. Yes, plus pastors. Because the devil uses pastors too. Like the devil used Peter to tell Jesus not to go to the cross. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Peter covering for Satan. Because you know what Paul says? He says, he transforms himself into an angel of light. That the very elect are deceived. See that word again? Deceived. So the devil is not powerful. He deceives. 
And that is why people live in sin. Sin is deception. You know, you realize why you know sin is deception? When you become born again, you now ask yourself, why was I living like this? So what was that? That will just deceive you that, ah, drinking is enjoyment. Drinking is enjoyment. You will not take care of your children. You will not pay school fees. You just sit in the beer parlor. What can a man do? Bring two bottles. What can a man do? Bring three bottles. What can a man do? Bring four bottles. You're deceived. You're just deceived. Because I'm going to go there. Maybe one of the parts. What you don't like, the devil cannot use to tempt you. I mean, I thank God for those of you who have the history, but I've never tasted alcohol in my life. I don't know how it tastes. I've never had the privilege to taste, and there is no need to taste. If I, when you give me wine, I check the percentage of alcohol. Now, you know that the devil can't tempt you with drinking. He can't. But you know, if you were somebody who used to drink a lot, that when some people were drinking, they called you. Like, where you day? Say, see bottles now, now let you the miss then. You also just show up. Say, hey, when you are coming, they'll say, hey, you say, give me four first to start with. You know, laugh. <laughs> you know that even when you become born again, when you are passing through beer palo, something will be doing you branch. Branch. <laughs> Do you understand that? Why? It's because that's something you like. So James tells us that every man who is tempted is drawn away by his own lust. What does that mean? If I can control my lust, I can control temptation. The devil will, listen to me, listen to me, don't forget it. The devil will never make you do anything that you don't want to do. He doesn't have the power. He's been defeated. So you know how the devil gets you? He spends years working on your mind. This woman is no good. This woman is no good. See that woman across that street? That's the right size for you. How can you hold your wife? You will not know that you are holding somebody. You, you know, you're, and you're just there. And you're just there. After a while, you say, it's true. It's true. And unfortunately for the poor woman, she now went to lose weight. Uh, are you, in, 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 in her mind, she's thinking the more she loses weight, the more she will please you. Let me tell you the, the truth. All those things will never solve adultery. Adultery is a sting of the mind. Lose weight, add weight, gain weight. If you are a fool, you are a fool. That's what Proverbs said. Because sometimes when you bring people that certain people cheated with, and you put them before their wives, you will ask yourself, so what are you looking for? You now realize that the man was not looking for anything external. His mind has been convinced already. Are you understanding what I'm saying? I'm summarizing the message in case you don't come back to church. you, you, You have the full message. But that's the thing. So it's about deception. So you realize that the full armor of God, everything that God was talking about that armor was truth, righteousness, sword of the spirit, pray. God wasn't saying go and fight the devil. He was just saying, listen, stay prayerful. Put the word of God in you. Constantly have the gospel in your mind. Think of your redemption. And if you live that life, you will be able to overcome the devil. And you realize there's no weapon for the back. So God was not expecting us to run from the devil. Amen. The devil just did push, pussy, push, pussy, push, Waiting. No, you shouldn't run. That's why there's no provision for the back. Glory to God. Okay. Can we do one more? Yeah. Let's do one more. <laughs> Another scripture pop- popularly used to, to make the devil look powerful is when he says we are not ignorant of his devices. Let me explain it. It has nothing to do with the enemy. What he was just talking about, in summary, is about a brother who had committed sexual immorality and the church was punishing him. And Paul says, restore him on time 
Because if you don't, he will be sorrowful unto wickedness. It's like the church suspends you, and you say, oh, they have suspended me. So what use? And goes into sinning. He says, if we don't restore him, we will, the devil will take advantage of our acting to him in self-righteousness and get him. And then, we're ignorant of his devices. It has nothing to do with you. Except you have somebody who has been suspended. So let's go to Second Corinthians 2. Are we still here? Maybe we should call this series Unmasking the Devil, right? Yeah, see? Let's change the name. No. Okay, leave it like How to Overcome the Devil, a.k.a. Unmasking the Devil. That's good. That's good. Where did I say you should go to now? Okay, okay, glory to God. Are you still here? Say amen if you're here. Can you observe that as we're just teaching the word, the fear of the devil is just living your life? You're just like, wow. 11. We don't even need to interpret this verse, right? It's just for us to read. That's the problem. We don't read a lot of... I was at the Catholic church on Thursday, right? Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, Friday. I was in the Catholic church. I enjoyed that scripture reading they do. Just read the Bible. That's what I enjoyed a lot. Man, and I'm sure I lost some weight. Because we're kneeling, standing, kneeling, standing. And the funny thing ah, is, you know, it's not good to be ignorant in life. You know, as bold as I am here, I was not bold in the Catholic church. Because when people were kneeling, that's when I was standing. When I now realized that everybody was, was kneeling, before I knelt down, they had stood up. So at a point, I just took a position. I was in between standing and kneeling. And then they would say something, everybody would respond. Before I learned it, they had moved to another. I'm like, whoa. Ah, man, you guys are enjoying Pentecostal churches. But we're going to be doing reading. I'll just do first reading. I mean, it was good. I enjoyed it because they just read a whole chapter. It was just a blessing to just hear the word being read. But you know what we do in charismatic churches? Right? You know, our church is charismatic, but it's charismatic orthodox. We have orthodox teaching are charismatic. <laughs> but you know what? We just pick one verse. Do not be... We're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Part one. That's your compound that you are staying. Don't be ignorant. And God will just be wondering, like, who sent these people? Like, both the preacher and the members. And you are saying, Amen. Ah, I will not be ignorant, God. Ah, ah, thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Papa. You know what you're going to do? You're going to go home now. Hate everybody in that compound. You know how much hatred we leave church with? I just see the woman sweeping. Say, yes, I observe. I'm not ignorant. That sweeping. That sweeping. Mm. <laughs> they think they will get me in this compound. It's a lie. Papa has told us. We are not ignorant. You just create unnecessary enemies. Then the day you are in trouble, you call for people, they don't come. Say, didn't I tell you? They, they don't like my success in this compound. What is the success? You have one bicycle that the pedal is missing. Okay. Let's read this. Are we there? Are we there? Okay, don't worry, I'll stop here. Final closing before the main one. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. Look at this. But I'm determined this for your own sake, that I will not come to you in sorrow again. For if I cause you sorrow, who then makes me glad? But the one whom I have made sorrowful. This is the very thing I wrote you, so that when I come, when I, when I came, I will not have sorrow for those who ought to make me rejoice. Having confidence in you all, that my joy will be the joy of you all. 
Verse 4. Please follow this carefully now we're reading. For out of the affliction, of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. Not so that you will be made sorrowful, but you might know the love which I have especially for you. Verse 5. But if any has caused sorrow, he has caused sorrow not to me, but it's on degree, in order not to say too much to all of you. Verse 6. Sufficient, sufficient for such a one is this punishment which was inflicted by the majority. You know, because the Corinthian church, I want to say this, I want to say this, just bear with me, give me a few minutes. I want to say this, the Corinthian church was the most gifted church. They had all the gifts of the Spirit, they spoke in tongues. But it was also the church where a man slept with his father's wife. What does that tell us? Gifts doesn't change your character. By their fruits you shall know them. You can speak in tongues and commit fornication, and even speak in tongues after to seal it. And you won't feel anything. What happened in the Corinthian church? So what happened in those days? It's not like now where everybody is on their own. You know, if they suspend you in any church now, you run to another church. Yeah. I think... Well, let me leave that. So, the whole church gathered and said, listen, we're going to suspend this brother. It used to happen way back. I think in churches, like, they suspended you, then they kept you at the back. In some churches, they even refused the offering. Just everybody will know that they are suspended this brother. You, they suspend. There's a bench. There's a put. <laughs> Okay, so that was what happened. The whole church suspended the guy. So look at what it says. Wherefore, look at this. I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. Paul is saying, listen, the guy has caused us sorrow. We know he has sinned. And this is where the church needs to be careful. Even though we want to, um, like, handle people with their fault, we also reach out to them with love. Are, are you following? There's got to be that balance. Okay, now look at this. It says, Wherefore I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. Verse 9, For to this end also I wrote you, so that I might put you to test whether you are obedient in all things. Verse 10, For one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage will be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Give me the amplified version if you have it. What is he trying to say? He said, listen, we've suspended this brother. You have obeyed me. The punishment is okay. Go and reaffirm your love to him so that Satan will not take advantage of us. That's it, that's it. To keep Satan from getting the advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his wires and intentions. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Quickly, quickly. What are the intentions of Satan here? We can find it in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Come on, come on, come on. Let's do this. Good, good, good. Amplify. Brethren, if any person is overtaken in a misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, should set him right and restore and reestate him. Look at this. Look at the advantage of Satan now. Without any sense of superiority and without gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest you should also be tempted. New American Standard Version. Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, and you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one look into yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 3, amplified version. Verse 3, amplified version. Verse 3, amplified version. 
For if any person thinks himself to be somebody too important to condescend to shoulder another's load, when he is nobody of superiority except in his own estimation, look at this, he deceives and deludes and shits himself. So what was Paul saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 2? He says, if we, are rest- if we don't restore this brother and we go out with a sense of superiority, what's going to happen is we're going to act to the brother in self-righteousness and not looking at our own self, knowing that we have moved from restoring the brother into pride and Satan has now taken advantage of us because we're not ignorant of his devices. What is that device there? Satan wants us to restore that brother with a sense of we are better than you and then the brother feels like I don't need to go to church anymore and you feel like yes, we are the righteous one and Satan has taken advantage of all of us because the love of Christ was not at work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask, Father God, that light will shine on our path. That instruction of righteousness will come forth. We yield to your word, to your way. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.